For the remaining time, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. I want to read a couple verses at the end of that chapter. And I want to ask you a question that is a completely inappropriate question to ask. (laughs) At least normally to the ladies for sure. And the question is, how much do you weigh? Now, that's something that you just don't ask. I mean, even for men, you know, you're really not supposed to ask that question. But I, I want to ask it from a spiritual standpoint. If the burdens that you are bearing right now, the burdens that you were bearing, actually had a physical weight to them, how much would you weigh? Think about what you're bearing as a burden, because it carries weight. So how much do we weigh? And let's read in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or timely, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When I was in high school, I weighed about 180 pounds when I graduated. And I went on and tried to play a few years of football in college. And I thought, you know, I'll catch my second growth spurt that most folks do it in 19 or 20 or whatever. And that'll help me get bigger and I can, you know, have more to offer. And so when we reported for our two-a-day training the first time when I was a freshman, after about two weeks, two and a half weeks of two-a-days, sometimes three-a-days, running, conditioning, and just being in a stressful environment that I'd never been in before, I dropped down to 165 pounds. And one of my friends saw me at a, a game that we went to play, and he said, man, you look like a POW. <laughs> I lost 15 pounds, and, and when you're like me, that's, that's a lot. If you lose any weight, it's noticeable. But when I was 180 pounds and then lost 15 pounds, it was very noticeable. And my friends laughed at me, but I gained it back, so I was good. But we're very conscious about our weight, very conscious about that. Some people are so conscious about their weight that they do things to themselves that are ungodly and inappropriate. But I don't want to talk about your physical weight. I want to talk about the weight that bears down on you and me from the burdens of this life. And Paul says, and he's not being a smart aleck, But he says, our light affliction. In other words, those things that burden us down and are so important and so real that hurt us and and bear us down to the ground at times. Paul says it's a light affliction. And that's with a condition. Number one, he says it's but for a moment. And when you're hurting or when you're being weighed down by things, it doesn't feel like a moment, does it? But Paul says it's for a moment, and it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That doesn't make any sense when it comes to the things that bear us down. How can I taste or feel or see eternal glory when I'm in the midst of being borne down by my afflictions and by my burdens? Notice the condition in verse 18. There's a very important condition upon processing this and seeing, well, this is just a light affliction. He says, while we look, while we look, at what? Not at the things which are seen. You see the affliction, you see the burden, you see the problem. 
He says, but we are to look at the things that are not seen, the things that are eternal. That's the key to understanding and processing the things that weigh us down. Focusing on the things that are eternal. Now, this isn't some kind of untouchable type of message where, you know, yeah, boy, that's really a pie in the sky kind of thing. No, there are specific details to this about what it means to look at the things that are eternal as opposed to looking at the thing and focusing on what we mostly focus on, which is the thing that's bearing me down, the trouble, the trial, the burden. Some of those burdens are often, and I would say most of the time, are brought on by what we do, by our own sin. And that's, I will say this, that can be a fairly easy one to deal with. But what about the burdens that come upon you from others that they put upon you or from the world or from the stress or from the fear or the financial issues or whatever burdens come upon us? And here is the process to see those burdens as Paul describes them. He's not being a smart aleck and he's not saying it's trite. He's saying these are light afflictions. And let me just say this. One nanosecond, one millisecond in heaven, which there's not even seconds in heaven, but... (laughs) Forgive my inability to describe that. From the moment that you're in heaven, you will understand what that's saying. Everything will dissipate, disappear, and you'll say, boy, that was just a light affliction compared to this glory that I'm in now. So Paul says that you can experience that and process that now for our light affliction. The condition is that we look. When I was very young, One of the first jobs that I had was in the chicken house and we would scrape the sides of the chicken houses when we were in between chickens to clean out the chicken houses. Now this was before the days of these incredible skid steers where you could scrape the side, get within a half inch of the side and scrape it down. This was in the days when they had a thing called a flat edge shovel. (laughs) And when I was a mom's probably going to dispute it but when I was old enough to hold a shovel I was in there scraping the sides of the chicken house and those are long chicken houses long our number five and six chicken house was longer than the others and I dreaded going in there because I would look down the side of the chicken house and I would think that is 10 miles I'll never reach the end and my you know I want to be playing I want to be doing other things and then on top of all that sometimes dad would contract to clean out other people's houses and the one I hated the most was the Carver farm because the Carver farm was two chicken houses put together it was 10 miles and he had put us in there and I was on the shovel crew you know that was the lowest man on the totem pole and so I'd waste time you know looking how far have I gotten and I learned after a while as foolish and as silly as I was and as I continued to do that because it was no getting out of it But as I continue to do that, I realized that the time seemed to pass quicker when I focused on what was right in front of me. I would just tell myself, don't look, don't look, don't look down the side. Because when you look down the side, you're going to feel hopeless. And I noticed as I continued to focus on what was in front of me and move along, and then I'd look up, I'd be like, my goodness, you know, I'm 20 feet away. I'm almost there. We weren't even talking about the corners, how hard they were to dig out. But anyway... When I focused on the work in front of me, and as I grew older, I got stronger. And guess what? By the time I was old enough to get a scoop, I could do it even faster. Because the scoop, you know, was a few inches wider than just a flat-edge shovel. 
And I had the ability then, I was strong enough to where I could, and I could get done quicker. But when I focused on what was right in front of me, I, I, it seemed to pass quicker. It, when I focused on those things. Now look, what I'm presenting to you here today from the Word of God is kind of the opposite of that in a physical sense. Because when you focus on what is in front of you, when that, that burden is bearing down on you, Paul describes as a light affliction. If you do focus and just keep your concentration on that, it seems hopeless. How is this going to go away? How is this pain going to end? So in the sense of the scripture here, the apostle Paul is telling us to look away to something. Look away to something unseen in the midst of that affliction that you're going through. The older I got and the more the stronger I got and the more I focused on that, it seemed like it just passed off like that. Because I grew there was no getting out of it, but I grew in strength. I grew in stature. I grew in, hopefully, the wisdom of how to scrape a chicken house. And I know that's a silly example. We're using silly examples this morning, aren't we, Brother Luke? I know it's a silly example, but it made an impact on me. And eventually, I, I think I became one of the best scrapers on the crew. And then I got to move up to the skid steer. Well, that was a great day. <laughs> but you understand, as you grow in looking to the unseen looking to the eternal, as you grow in wisdom and in stature and in spiritual stature, spiritual strength, it makes the burdens lighter. You say, well, what in the world are we supposed to look at? Hebrews 12, which is talking about how to process weight, answers that question. At least part of it. Hebrews 12 in verse 1. Wherefore, Paul says, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he's referring to Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, that sounds real sweet and like one of those verses that people post a lot, you know, or, or send notes about it. It's a great verse, but don't stop right there. There's a comma. It's just like 2 Corinthians 4. We need to look at something in order to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets us. He says, looking unto what? Looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it's another thing there to look to. It's Jesus. He's eternal. He's in the heavens. He's on the right hand of the throne of God. And as the burdens bear down upon us, we are to look to Him. Look what he says. Laying aside every weight. That makes me think of these ankle weights that when I was in high school, I used to strap them to my ankles, to my feet, and go running. And they were, they were just a few pounds, maybe a pound or something like that. And you'd go run with those ankle weights and you just felt so sluggish and like you could, if you take those ankle weights off, you could fly. I mean, it felt like you were going 10 times faster than you normally were. And that's the way sin affects us. It drags us down. It, it's a weight that pulls us down. This right here in Hebrews 12 is specifically talking about the things that affect us personally, our sin temptations. And we all have them. If you sit there today and say, well, I don't have them. <laughs> well, either you're so young you had not figured them out yet, or you're oblivious to the fact that you do. And what a great feeling it is whenever you take, let those weights like shackles come off. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith who has released you from those shackles. 
Verse 13, it's interesting. It says, make straight paths for your feet. It's great to walk on a straight path and on a plain path, on a level path. Other paths in the mountains and other places can be so dangerous. And we make for ourselves dangerous paths. And imagine, can you just picture years and years ago when Sister Tracy and I went back to a place and did some hiking in a place that we had gone to before. We were hiking and we were older and we weren't as fast as we were whenever we first went to this place. But as we were hiking along on this, this particular trail, it was up in the mountains, and all of a sudden here comes these, this young couple, you know, passing us. And as, the, as the, you know, we're huffing and puffing along, and, and this wife goes, you know, she's probably 25, you know, she goes, you know, flying past us, just going along with her stick and whatever, you know. And I was like, man, you know, that's sort of sobering for me and then the next thing I know here comes the dad and he goes past us you know and we're just kind of trudging along and the dad had a backpack on him with a little infant baby sticking out the top above his head and I was like man that's some weight right there you know we left our kids uh, and came and did this so we wouldn't have to carry them on the trail you know because it's dangerous and I thought that, that guy either he's maybe he's really really good I hope you know but that was dangerous but think about you know Packing up your piano or packing up your guitar or packing up, you know, whatever you hold dear and carrying that on the trail and trying to maneuver, you know, how difficult the trail is up high in the mountain. That just seems ludicrous, doesn't it? And yet that's what we do all the time. We're carrying along the burden. We're carrying along the weight of something that just bears us down to the ground. And the answer is looking unto Jesus. And even then, if you don't know what that means, that can sound trite. Well, just look to Jesus. Oh, just look to the Lord. You know, people will say that at times and they mean well. You know, when you're in very difficult situations. Well, just look to the Lord. Well, just look to Jesus. What does that mean? You know, the Pharisees wanted you to look to them. Matthew 23. Look at Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Jesus himself says, then spake Jesus to the multitude and said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You see, they were laying burdens upon the people about salvation and about conditions and they would not observe them at all themselves. They would say it out in public, and then they would violate it themselves in their own house and in their own manners. You see, they were causing the people to stand in judgment before them. To stand in judgment before them. Do what we say. Act like we say you should act. And they, the people... We all, as God's people, we don't stand in judgment before each other. We stand before God. Now look, don't forget about Matthew 7. That doesn't discount Matthew 7. When, in order to properly judge things, you have to recognize that you stand before the Lord. Your conscience is before the Lord. Am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? And when you process that, then you can look around and say, well, this is wrong. This is right. This is good. This is bad. And by the way, we're not to judge one another, period. We're to judge fruit. You see that? Judge fruit. We're fruit inspectors. The Pharisees were people inspectors. They basically had said, because you're not living like we are, everybody's going to burn. That's basically what they said. And Jesus gets so detailed with them 
because of their legalism, because of their attitudes, he gets so detailed with them. You talk about a meddling preacher. Well, Jesus was one. And he pronounces woe after woe after woe upon the Pharisees. So much so, he gets so detailed that he goes all the way into their spice racks in their kitchens. He said, what do you mean by that? You're going to have to read, figure that one out. We're going to move along. But he gets so detailed that he goes into the most minute details of their houses to point out how wicked they were. That's a little bit unnerving, isn't it? You say, well, yeah, those old Pharisees. How about processing that from a personal standpoint? Maybe go take a look at your spice rack. I'm I'm speaking metaphorically. (laughs) Maybe take a look at what's going on in your home. It isn't just for the Pharisees. It's for us to process ourselves. He pronounced woe after woe upon them because they were putting burdens upon people that they could not bear. Now I want you to see very specifically what it looks like to look to Jesus. And this, the first one's easy. And I'm going to mention these. You can, you can go and study them later. I don't have time to give you all the sites, but I'm just going to mention a few people to you who looked unto Jesus. The rich young ruler in Mark the 10th chapter. It says that he ran and he knelt before the Lord. Notice that he ran and he knelt before the Lord. And this is the easiest one of all the burdens. You see, the milk of the Word of God takes care of this. The rich young ruler ran and looked to Jesus to relieve the weight that he was feeling about his salvation. He felt a a definite pull, a definite burden from the salvation, the thinking, am I saved? And he was doing all the right things when it comes to the law, but he still had a burden. And he looked to Jesus, and Jesus gave the answer to him. But you know what? He didn't want it. He didn't like the answer. That's a lot of our problem, isn't it? You say, I just don't know why things aren't getting better. I don't know why you know, it continues to, this continues to vex me. Maybe it's because we don't like the answer that Jesus gives us. But keep looking, child of God. Because you might not like it today, but tomorrow is another day. You might like it tomorrow. The rich young ruler comes to him, looks to Jesus, gets the answer, and yet he goes away sad. Mark the fifth chapter, you have a woman who had an issue of blood. She was a hemophiliac. She couldn't stop bleeding. She'd get a cut and she just she could bleed out. If she couldn't get that, the, the blood would not clot. And what did she do? She looked unto Jesus and she came to him and she touched the hem of his garment. And he, he talked to her and he said, your faith. See, faith looks to Jesus. God has given you the faith. God has implanted that in you in the new birth. It comes from Him and it directs back to Him like a tether from the earth up into heaven to the eternal unseen things. And she looked to Jesus. What about Peter in Matthew the 14th chapter when he was sinking down in the water? He said, Lord, let me walk to you. As I've said before, that was not an act of faith. You know, It was really more of a cop-out because he was getting out of the boat that was about to sink. But as he walked to Jesus, he was looking to Jesus. And as he walked, he began to seek down. Why? He took his eyes off of Jesus. And of course, Jesus drew him up out of the water and he didn't drown. What about Mary and Martha in the book of John when their brother Lazarus died? You know, Mary, Martha comes to Jesus and she's mad. She's angry at Jesus. She's looking to Jesus in anger, trying to get the relief from the burden that is on her, the burden That's one of the hardest to bear, which is the loss of a loved one. And she's stamping her foot at Jesus. And Mary says the exact same thing to Jesus that Martha said. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But it's the attitude, you see. Martha had a different attitude than Mary did. 
But they were both looking to Jesus. I'm telling you, child of God, you don't want to look to Jesus in anger. That's for sure. That'll never work out for you. It didn't work out to Martha. She got rebuked very severely by Jesus. And by the way, if you go to Jesus in anger like Martha did, you get no further answers, at least at that moment. Now, she got her brother back, but it took some time. He went on to the grave. But Mary was looking to Jesus, and she got the answer she was looking for. What about the mother of Cana? who brought her daughter who was grievously vexed with the death. That was a heavy burden she was bearing. Who did she come to? She came to Jesus. What about the father of the son who was vexed with the devil that would cast himself into the fire? This little boy, he was probably seven to ten years old, and this dad, this faithful dad, had taken care of that boy. And he brings that boy to Jesus. He looked to Jesus. And I know, if you're like me, you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, you know, if Jesus was just here physically... If he was just here and his presence was just here, then I could do that. Child of God, he is here. He's in here. He's here in the spirit. Let me tell you something. You want him here like he is now in the spirit rather than back then, because if you wanted to reach out for the hem of his garment back then, you had to be over there in the Middle East. He's everywhere present, nowhere absent, and he's in a special manifestation in the New Testament through his spirit. Do you, do you feel him? Can you, you say, well, I can't see it. That's my point. 2 Corinthians 4 says, looking to the things that are unseen, looking to the things that are eternal, probing the depths of the Spirit of God through faith. It makes the burden lighter and lighter. If the burdens you're bearing right now actually had a physical weight to them, would you be able to even walk out that door, crawl out that door? <laughs> Way back over in the Old Testament, there's a fellow named Job. Listen to this. This is Job's, one of his laments in Job the seventh chapter. He says, Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, as an hireling looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, When shall I rise? And the night be gone. And I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawn of the day. You see, Job, he's just tossing and turning through the night. And then he wakes up the next day, if he even sleeps at all. And then he is facing the same things again. I tell you, none of us have been through what Job went through. The loss of his ten children. The loss of all of his possessions. And in one sense, the loss even of his wife during that period of time when even she had turned against him. And you know what happens, right? Over towards the end of the book of Job. Job gets to look to Jesus in a special way because Jesus, Jehovah, shows up in the whirlwind. You know, don't let it be that God has to show up in a whirlwind to get your attention. You don't need that. Think about when you feel the lightest. I'm not talking about physical weight. Think about when you feel the lightest. I believe Job felt very heavy right there. But think about when you feel the lightest. When something has finished, when a situation has concluded, whenever... You know, that burden just flies off of you. What about the sin burden? Aren't, can you think back to the first time that you heard the truth about salvation by grace and that burden just floated off of you? God has saved me in spite of me. That's a, that is the biggest burden relief that you could possibly get. But what about the other things? On Friday, I just concluded in, in my work, I just concluded an estate situation that had been open and dealing with it since 2014, <laughs> nine years ago. And I know some of you are saying, well, I'm not going to use him for my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. But 
for reasons beyond my control. Nine years. And I finished that thing out on Friday. I was light as a feather. Man, I, I could have just flown away. I was like, man, this is great. This is absolutely, oh, by the way, there's still a couple of little minor, tiny little things that have to be done. That's always the case in this world. But a couple of little tie up things that had, but for the most part, 99.9%, it's done. I feel like I can just float away. And I wanted to. You know, you ever feel that way? Think about the times that you feel light. The sickness is over. Praise God, many of you are now well or healing. The sickness is over. You feel better. I want you to think about how looking unto Jesus, probing the depths of the Spirit of God, the Word of God. You've got 66 books of a love letter from God. And you say, you might say, well, I haven't even cracked it open lately. Well, have we cracked open our phone or have we looked at Facebook or have we looked at Twitter or have we looked at Snapchat or have we looked at a number? Have you ever just taken an assessment of the time that you spend doing those things? I have, and it's frightening. I've got a Bible app on all of my devices, and from time to time to check myself and see where I am, I'll go look. Now, how much time is I, am I spending on this waste of time you know, over here binge watching something as opposed to my Bible app, which is where is the eternal things can be viewed through that app, you know? And I'll be like, oh, I got, I got 17 hours over here, you know, on Netflix and I've got 30 seconds on my Bible app. <laughs> that makes me feel convicted. I'm, I'm riding down the road and I'm listening to my station, you know, that I like my music that I listen to since the 70s and the 80s and the, even the 90s. And, you know, I listen to these things and I'm driving along and I think, well, wait a minute, now, I've been listening to this a lot. I need to listen to some preaching or I need to listen to somebody talk the Bible to me or I need to listen to a Do we think that that's what it means when you look to Jesus and you say, well, I just can't believe all these burdens are bearing me down. How much time are we spending looking to Jesus, looking to the word of God? You have an anthology of 66 books that tells you about the Son of God from the seed of the woman all the way down to the suffering servant songs of Isaiah down to Emmanuel, which is God with us. And that's who you're going to be with forever. Don't ever forget that. So whatever is weighing on you, I want you to know that God sees the burdens that you're carrying. He sees the things that are weighing you down. And the more that you look to Jesus, the lighter that burden is going to feel. Matthew 11 and 28, I close. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Don't just take the yoke, but take the yoke and continue in that and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The more you put Jesus on you and the more you learn about him, the lighter the burdens of this world get. And as Paul said, we can then say, for this light affliction. It's a light affliction. And it works for us a more exceeding weight of glory when we look to Jesus. I hope that's profitable for the end of a year. And I hope that's something maybe you could set your resolution for the upcoming year to maybe check your screen time and see where you're spending most of your time and try to balance that out. You know, the Lord doesn't command all of your time, but He commands the best of your time.